Welcome to the Mass Bar B Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public, and we feature lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about NBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matters to all of us. This is Jordan Rich, and with me today is attorney Jeffrey Catalano, a former president of the Mass Bar Association. Jeff is an accomplished medical malpractice attorney. He represents plaintiffs or injured parties and has won some of the largest awards in state history for his clients. We plan on talking about the trend toward medical transparency, hospitals communicating better with patients and their families, apologizing for their errors, and working openly to prevent such mistakes in the future. We'll find out how this is working and what's to come, but let me start by asking you, Jeff, to introduce your role as a medical malpractice attorney. Welcome. So uh, a large part of my practice uh, is dealing with medical malpractice cases. I deal with a lot of catastrophic injuries from trucking accidents to car accidents to food poisoning, another big area. Uh, But uh, for a long time, I've been doing medical malpractice work representing patients. Um, I used to represent doctors a long time ago when I started out, uh, but for the last over 20 years, patients. And I also consider myself very much a patient safety advocate because I'm on various boards uh, that are committed to patient safety, uh, including one with the Mass Medical Society, where we are all about transparency and disclosure following medical errors. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of extracurricular stuff that helps to kind of round my practice out. It's a vital part of the legal practice system to defend people when they are hurt in any case, and particularly when they are subjugated to injury or illness due to malpractice or or malfeasance or whatever it might be, right? It's very important. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, unfortunately, the healthcare system is very unsafe, and I'm not even sure you're going to get any pushback on that from the medical societies. They understand that we can dispute the numbers, but either way, they're way too high. The number of people who die per year from medical errors, it's anywhere from 100,000 to 400,000, but it's too much is the point. Mm. And that doesn't include the people who are harmed from medical errors, the people who live, but then require healthcare and additional treatments and additional surgeries. And the cost of that is in the billions to be calculated, uh, hopefully by somebody someday. But it's a very thing, very important area that needs to be addressed as much as any other unsafe area of the world. I should mention now that Jeff, my guest, was the Mass Bar Association's representative on the Massachusetts Alliance for Communication and Resolution Following Medical Injury. It's an organization of doctors and other professionals advocating for the CARE approach. And what that stands for is communication, apology, and resolution. CARE, approach taken by hospitals, which supports learning and improvement and leads to greater patient safety. This is truly a change for the better, and transparency is a big factor here, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah, Jordan, that's, this is something that is uh, starting to gain traction and is becoming a bit of a, a sea change across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, various states are doing it to different degrees, some more successfully than others. I want to very proudly say that I think Massachusetts has become a leader in this area. I mentioned that I'm on the board of an organization called MACRAMI, that's the acronym, acronym uh, where we sit with doctors, hospitals, and risk managers, and I'm the only plaintiff's attorney at the board, and my job is to make sure that patient rights are protected. Because when you're settling a case, you want to make sure that the patient understands what he or she is doing when they're getting compensation for mm-hmm. uh, the injury. And you know, this, so the point being, though, is that a lot of uh, states are doing different things. Michigan was a very early leader in this, the University of Michigan, and they sort of set the tone for the rest of the country. But Massachusetts has now picked up the, the baton, and now our program is being um, mimicked or at least um, – 
uh, investigate it by other states. And it's pretty exciting. It's successful. We have a lot of hospitals already subscribing to it here in Massachusetts. So let's talk about how it plays out. How is it working? Give us an example. So a very recent example, I think, is uh, how it really can work when it's done right. And it involved a uh, client of mine who had just had a cesarean section. And the baby came out fine, except that they left a sponge inside of her. Uh, this can actually cause some serious complications. Uh, no one, she didn't know that there was a sponge inside of her. What she did know is that after giving birth over the next three days, she was in extreme pain. She had a fever. She was in agony. She couldn't bond with her child. Um, they eventually discovered what they suspected earlier, which is that there was a sponge left inside of her, hmm. necessitating another surgery to remove it. Now, fortunately, she ended up doing okay physically, but it was a traumatic experience, even though it could have been catastrophic if she had an infection and right. adhesions. What resulted from that, Jordan, is that the hospital uh, invited the mom and dad and me. Uh, they don't usually invite attorneys, but they did in this case. I was happy to, to see. And we, we met and we had an open discussion about what happened and why this happened mm. and how it could be prevented and what measures they're taking to prevent it. But the mother also got a chance to say her piece. And that was powerful because through tears, she talked about how she felt weak and didn't know there was a sponge inside of her and, and felt like she should be standing up to the pain that she was experiencing. Well, you said this was the first time mom never given birth before. And those first couple of days are special and important to the mother, to the family, to the baby. I mean, that's Correct. that's robbing someone of that. So there is that, that, you say, traumatic emotional response. But what was the outcome of this meeting? Because it sounds as though the meeting led to some better resolution. It could right. have gone a lot worse. Yeah, I think the outcome is ultimately that what was not a wonderful birth experience for a new mother ended up at least being something where they felt that mm -hmm. the hospital was going to take measures to uh, ensure this didn't happen to anybody else. And you said the physician herself, the uh, OBGYN physician, was actually present and actually spoke in the meeting. She did. Uh, it was amazing. She herself said that personally she had had a traumatic birth experience and she was an obese specifically because she wanted to make sure that other people mm. didn't have that same thing. She she dedicates herself to making sure other people have wonderful birth experiences. And she fell on the sword in this case and said, I deprived you of that. And she also was in tears. It was a very emotional experience for everybody. Um, they ended up hugging at the end, which was a nice way to sort of reconcile what was undeniably a, a traumatic experience for the mother and for the doctor too. And I think that everyone left the meeting, not only realizing that something's going to be done to ensure this doesn't happen again. A lot was talked about, mm -hmm. but also with some peace, knowing that they had sort of left on good terms without this lingering hostility that can happen when someone gets harmed by medical errors. You quoted some stats, general stats about the number of errors. And most of us who are aware of the news read about these stories on occasion, but this is your work day to day to deal with people who are hurt or harmed in some way, shape or form. Are hospitals changing their direction in terms of apology? And apology is a powerful thing. It breaks a lot of those barriers down. And that's really, I think they realize that that's what people are looking for. Um, no one, I get many, many calls a day, a week from people who have been harmed by medical errors. Not all of them can result in, in legal compensation, but none of them call me and say, I, I got harmed by a doctor. How much can I get? Mm. What they say is, I got harmed. I want to know why this happened. 
and I don't want this to happen to someone else. Mm -hmm. That is almost universally what people say to me when I talk to them or meet with them. And I share that. And that's my primary motivation. And so the hospitals now are getting it. And they're realizing that if they get to these situations earlier rather than later, then the hostility doesn't doesn't embed itself. You don't go into lengthy litigation, which is costly for everybody and agonizing for everybody. And oftentimes results in them paying more money than had they paid out at the beginning of the case. Right. The goal would, I would imagine, always be to find a way to settle this thing early to the satisfaction of both parties, as opposed to getting into litigation. And no offense, but the lawyers make the money and that's they should because they're doing a lot of work. But you're talking about a, a trend in which we're trying to settle these things and consider the humanity of it all, which makes such a difference, Jeff. It really does. When I first started out, I mentioned in the 90s, I used to be, I used to represent doctors in hospitals mm-hmm. and I liked representing them, but the attitude was deny and defend. That's what we were told to do, deny and defend. And that's come almost 180 degrees. There's still a ways to go, to be honest. But now it's the opposite of that. It's come clean. Just be honest with these people mm-hmm. because you develop trust with your physician and that trust is severely damaged when you are harmed by preventable medical error. It can be repaired if the doctor comes forward or the nurse and says, this shouldn't have happened, I am so sorry. And in the annals of medical advancement in, say, Boston alone, you can point to several examples of major cases that have resulted in changes in terms of methodology. And people are now safer as a result. Unfortunately, someone had to suffer. But because of those cases that got a lot of attention, things happened for the better. Yeah. I mean, it's not just true in healthcare. It's true in our our cars are safer because uh, lawyers had to bring lawsuits to force car companies to become safer. Um, You know, there's a lot of industries where, uh, you know, litigation is as bad a rap as it gets um, actually can result in in improvements. Mm. Now, you'd hope that wouldn't always have to be the case, which is why I'm a proponent of trying to settle cases before they go into suit. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes you end up there and that's where a lot of my cases are. I'll ask my next question on behalf of the audience, on behalf of the folks out there listening to this podcast who may feel that they or a loved one is a victim of some kind of medical malpractice. What should they be thinking about before they even pick up a phone and contact an attorney? What should go through their minds? Well, um, first of all, they need to know that they're entitled to answers. Um, This is their body. You know, if you were driving a car and you had just taken it from the shop and it somehow just veered by itself off the road and crashed into a tree, you'd want to know why did that happen? How did this happen? Who's responsible? Mm-hmm. Those are legitimate questions you're entitled to know. And sometimes hospitals can be reluctant to be forthcoming or they can convey information in a way that's off-putting. It may not necessarily be intended that way, but the patient has to be uh, very inquisitive. Um, I do think Um, I know this sounds very self from a self-interested perspective that getting a lawyer involved early is critical because not because lawyers are looking for a piece of the action. I I often reduce my fee to a very little amount if I can resolve it very quickly for a client pre-suit. But it's because the lawyer can help them process the information that's being put forward. It comes forward rapid speed. You're the patient. You are consumed with your own pain or your family member's pain. Your brain is not in a position necessarily to understand what's being thrown at you. And there's an imbalance of power between the hospital and the patient. And that has to be rectified by having your own counsel. 
Jeff, we know it's true that for so many people, they still deify the medical professionals, the doctors, who do an amazing job saving lives and keeping us healthy, but they do deify these people. And they might be afraid to speak up when something isn't quite right, but it's incumbent of them to be advocates for their own health and not be afraid to question. Exactly. And if it's a family member, you should inquire, why did this happen? How did it happen? Um, You know, I think people, uh, the you're, you're right to say, Jordan, that, you know, people uh, kind of deify uh, medical professionals. But I think there's been a change. That mm. might have been true more 25, 35 years I think it's ago. still true with the elderly and the older yes. population, say 65 plus. There was a movie, not a very good one, called Malice starring Alec Baldwin. I remember. And the only quote that is worth quoting is, I am God, when he's referring to himself <laughs> as a surgeon. And and obviously, it's, it's dramatic effect. But I think that is changing. I agree, certainly with younger people. Let me ask you to comment on another side issue, Jeff, and that is this, that state law limits the amount that people can recover against certain public agencies, including Somerville Hospital, which was the subject of a big Globe article recently that you're familiar with. Yes. Because of that, the husband of the deceased woman was turned down by attorneys who said his case of medical malpractice would cost more than they could recover due to the state cap. Is this a catch-22 kind of question? Because, you know, public agencies are suggesting they can't afford to deal with these kinds of issues. They'd go out of business. Or what's your take on it? Right. So uh, this is something that we've been addressing in various forms for years. It used to be 20,000 until six years ago. Now it's 100,000. And to be clear, it doesn't just apply to a public hospital like uh, the hospital in question, Mm -hmm. Cambridge Somerville, but it also applies to nonprofit hospitals. So you're talking about hospitals like Mass General, Beth Israel, Brigham Women's, which, by the way, have uh, gross revenues in the almost a billion dollars in the the high, you know, millions of dollar range. Yet these hospitals are protected by a hundred thousand dollar cap. The shame of it is that most errors are systematic, meaning it's the hospital's fault, not necessarily an individual's fault. And the doctors will agree to that too, most of them. Yet you can't go after the hospital because it's capped at a hundred grand which, by the way, is one of the only caps in the entire country. And I suspect it goes back to the 1960s when a lot of these hospitals were being run by nuns and other people Mm -hmm. and they didn't want them being run out of business by malpractice suits. I can understand that. But when hospitals now are making gross revenues in the multiple millions, it seems a little unfair to the patient that they are denied compensation when it's an institutional error. And has there been an attempt by the legislature or other lobbying groups to change that? Uh, yeah, for many years, we tried to increase the cap. We finally did get it increased to 100,000. Uh, still not enough. I personally think that even hosp- doctors and nurses would be very happy to have the cap go away because lawsuits would no longer name Dr. Smith and Nurse Jones. Mm. It would be the institution mm-hmm. where the fault often lies. It's poor training, poor policies, uh, you know, you name it. Those are institutional problems. And unfortunately, as a med mal attorney, you have to put the liability on an individual. And uh, not to say that it doesn't belong on the individual, it often does. Mm. But if you could also say the institution's at fault, then then that's an an advantage to everybody involved. Jeff, getting back to the story of the young mother and the sponge, (laughs) luckily it wasn't catastrophic. You indicated that uh, they now have procedures in place to prevent just such an accident, leaving a sponge inside a patient from happening. Another example of hospitals and healthcare professionals learning from their mistakes. They are exploring uh, radio frequency technology, which is we have this little chip in the sponge and you get a little wand. And after you are about to soap the patient, if you're not sure if you got all the sponges, you wave the wand over the patient and you find, I don't know how it works exactly, but it, it detects the missing sponge 
and you take it out. Now, that would cost money, but think of how much money they're spending well, on doing more operations. The big takeaway here with this new directive, Communication, Apology, and Resolution, or CARE, which supports learning and improvement and does indeed lead to greater patient safety, the big takeaway here is that change is happening, and it's happening in Massachusetts in a slow and steady and positive way. You know, and I'm proud to say that I was on a committee with the Mass Medical Society uh, in 2012 where we finally came up with legislation that allows a doctor to apologize and not have that used against him later on in court. I was about to ask what kind of considerations are there for people who make a public statement? Because as you know, in social media today, everyone is liable to be brought to bear for something they said right. innocently, but in this case, it's formal. So there is right. that protection. There is. And, you know, I think it's very – it's the right thing to do. Like if you had a, a, a child who, you know, smashed a neighbor's window with a baseball, what do you tell them to do? Go over there, apologize, and offer to pay for it. And, you know, that concept that we instill in our children should not be lost on us as adults, which is I think what ultimately all of us plaintiff's attorneys realized in agreeing that we should allow doctors to apologize because, by the way, it opened the door to more communication. I certainly want to thank you for your input, your expertise, and your sense of empathy and understanding for all sides in issues that are important like this. I do want to credit you with something very important, and that is being the leader who decided it was time for the Massachusetts Bar Association to develop a podcast called The Mass Bar Beat. You did so under your administration as president of the MBA, and as someone who has taken over the mantle of hosting and co-producing this podcast, I just want to say thank you very much for getting us started. Right. And as you know, because you run very successful podcasts, that uh, this is how people are getting their information now, uh, more so than almost a lot of other media. And um, it's important that we connect with folks in the way that they need to hear information about important topics like healthcare safety. So and I actually say I'm very um, appreciative of you and your work because you've sort of taken the Mass Bar Beat, which is the Mass Bar's podcast, and you've taken it to a whole new level. Uh, and you've really kind of made it more, even more professional and more informative and more interesting. So thank you for that. Well, we couldn't do it without people like you and the information that you're providing and the input. Conversation. We're not lecturing and you're not reading from a script. You're right. just talking about what it is you do. So I want to say thank you very much. And uh, the stories you shared, particularly the one about the, the recent mom, really hits home because mm -hmm. we've all been there or yeah. our wives have been there or our moms have been there. Right. So it really hits home. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on Mass Bar B. Thank you for the opportunity, Jordan. It's been fun. My thanks to attorney Jeff Catalano. You've been listening to the Mass Bar B podcast, available free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. If you're a consumer in need of legal assistance, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. You can call them at 866-627-7577. Once again, that's 866-627-7577. Or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association, and we invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich, thanking you for listening.